0: Whoa, wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks?
1: You're listening to Halford and Brough.
0: to the right circle for Luke Shen sneaking to the goal to the back door they score Andre Kuzmanko
2: okay well he's got the contract and and what I think at the very least people are going to ask the Canucks is what are you willing to do here if anything
0: oh wow you had me at milky secretion good morning Vancouver 601 on a Monday happy Monday everybody sweet sweet Monday it is Halford it is Bruff. it is Sportsnet 650 (laughs) hey guess what buddy it's Tuesday oh it's Tuesday Happy Tuesday. happy Tuesday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Tuesday. It is Halford, it is Brough, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Tech Studios in beautiful February Slopes of Vancouver. Jason, happy Tuesday.
1: <laughs> good morning, buddy.
0: Uh, Andy, happy Tuesday <laughs> to you. I think it's Monday. Uh, who's to say, really? I'm going to check on this. You should check on that. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Sure feels like a Monday. Oh, someone's got a case of the Mondays, bud. On a Tuesday. Except it's a Tuesday. I'm not used to getting a long weekend off. Used to just coming in on a Monday, which is yesterday, because today is Tuesday. Yeah. It's a great day for Kintec. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Jason, tell them about Kintec.
1: We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 2,500? We got an update to the read. 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net.
0: Uh, Andy, you need to start the live stream. It says live stream starting soon, but the show has already begun. I was booking a guest who I just booked, actually. I saw that, by the way. Congratulations. Very well done. Great. Andy was putting in work Last morning. second here. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest list for today. It begins at 6.30. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN is going to join us uh, 7 o'clock. Long-time by playman of the Nashville Predators, Willie Donich, is going to join the program. Because, of course, the Canucks take on the Predators tonight, 5 p.m. That's a Tuesday night game.
1: Yeah. It Tuesday is, night game. In, Canucks and in Preds. Nashville.
0: Uh, Willie Donich is going to join us at 7 o'clock to talk all things Preds. 8 o'clock, it's the Drancers. So we got a big hockey show ahead. We have a lot of Canucks stuff to get into, into in the intro. So I'm not going to waste any more time talking. I've told you what's on the show. I told you what's coming up tonight. Now, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened.
1: Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed
0: all the action because I was We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? So the reason I said it was Monday is because I thought it was Monday, which meant we had to go back over Saturday and Sunday, but now we have three days to recap. Although the Canucks haven't been in action since the 6-2 win over the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday. So there's a lot of stories, actually, that we need to get to here. Uh, Thatcher Demko is traveling with the team again. Uh, no clue when he's going to get back in action, but they got not one, not two, but three goalies on this trip. Uh, I think the main characters from the weekend, number one, Elias Pettersson for sure, the five points against the Flyers, and then he went on after hours with Scott Oak and Cheech. And then, of course, JT Miller trade rumors still floating in the ether there. So there's a lot to get into. Wherever you want to begin, my well, friend. Well, Archer
1: Seelofs, too, got his first NHL win. So it congratulations was yeah. to the young man for that uh, 6-2 win over the Flyers on Saturday. And under Rick Tockett, the Canucks have had three convincing wins at home now, unless I'm missing another one, over pretty bad teams. <laughs> there was the Chicago win that was Tockett's first Came as head coach, and then Columbus came to town and the Philly game was kind of similar um you You just saw that the Canucks had more talent than the Flyers, and it was headlined by Elias Petterson. Um, The Canucks played better defensively. They've had some bad defensive games under Rick Tockett as well, but the game against the Flyers was not one of them. This week, they go into Nashville to play a Predators team that is kind of in the playoff race, but not really. I consider in the West, right now it looks like the final two spots are going to come down to Minnesota or Calgary, but Nashville is kind of there. Nashville is kind of there like Vancouver was kind of there in the playoff race under Bruce Boudreau last season, although it's been a struggle pretty much all season for Nashville. They just haven't really gotten going. Mm -hmm. Um, We can talk to Wish about that, by the way, because remember before the season started, he came on the show. He was like, oh yeah, I think Nashville's like he didn't call them a lock, but he was like, I'm pretty confident Nashville's going to make the playoffs. We kept the receipts, Wish. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like they're not that great. And some of the guys that had really good seasons for them last year, you were kind of surprised that they had those good seasons. So we'll talk a little bit about the Predators today because they could be active at the trade deadline, um, as well. Um, Elias Pettersson had five points, as you mentioned against the Philadelphia Flyers, two empty netters. And by the way, I don't know if you guys talked about this yesterday, um, who was in here? Was it Dranson and uh, was it Dodd yesterday? Yeah,
0: morning Canucks talk.
1: Did you guys talk about um, the hit that Elias Petterson took on the empty netter? And Yes, and you know, they like,
0: shrugged it off. They were like, ah, who cares? No big deal. And I was like, no, this is annoying. Yeah. I'm angry at this. This yeah, is I stupid. Like that. Yeah, I, I didn't like that. I mean, Connect-y, it's just an aside. A, a bit of a rat. Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm old now, and so nobody, I'm like, if that jumped, had happened, yeah. if yeah, if that had happened twenty years ago, that's a, like a line brawl. Yeah. So, so you know, and that, and nobody that's jumped. That's a line him. brawl. It was just Miller. I guess JT be- Miller was upset, but kind of like, beat him a bit. But. That was greasy. Yeah. That was greasy, especially in, the, in 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 a game that was like a blowout like that.
0: After the game, they talked about it on the panel, mm-hmm. and Elliot openly asked the question to Kelly and to Biaksa. Like, do you think that was enough? Like, yeah. didn't even parse words or mince words or whatever. And Bexa, interestingly, said, well, what are you going to do? There's barely any time left in the game. And Konechny, in keeping with his true rat status, he went right for the bench. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't stand out there looking to start something else. It was a cheap shot, and then yeah. case closed. Um, I didn't uh, – nobody liked it, as a matter of fact. And then – the, the panel started to say, well, this is what happens when you're a non-conference foe and you can do this kind of stuff because you're not going to play them two nights later.
1: Well, this is what happens, I think. I mean, I would disagree with that. I think this was this is what happens in the NHL now. It just happens. It yeah. does. Yeah, it's true. Like, it, it, yeah. it, 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 Because uh, when do we even see, like, tonight's a revenge game. It's Remember true. what happened in the last game, right? It just doesn't really happen anymore. Anyway, I, I noticed it. I, I guess we're just going to blow it off and and accept that the NHL is not the league it was 20 years ago, because 20 years ago, that would have kicked off something. Well, now, Boy, Connecting
0: it. might miss some time, too. I don't know if you guys saw. He got injured in the game against Calgary, the very next oh, game. Good. Karma. He was in a sling <laughs> after the game,
1: according yeah, to reporters. I reporter. did not see that. Um, the captaincy of the Vancouver Canucks obviously came up with Elias Pettersson in after hours. Um, let's play the audio about uh, if we've got it ready to go, let's play the audio about him saying it would be an honor, but I need to think about it and we can make the decision in the summer because I think there's a lot in that statement alone.
3: That would definitely be an honor. Uh, but for me, uh, I don't want to stress or um, rush into a decision. I've never been a captain. Um, I mean, I guess I don't know. I'm a pretty quiet guy. So uh, it's just, it would definitely be an honor. But I want to, how do you say? Uh, take my time thinking about it in the summer and make a decision.
1: So a few things there. Number one, let's try, let's, let's first of all, take him at face value. Let's, let's take what he said literally and, and, and talk about the fact that he needs to take some time to make this decision, which we'll assume again, we'll take this all at face value and that and no then we, negative and, media spin. No, here. no, no. Just no, plain it straight. And then we won't. In the second part of this, but the first part wow. is like he says, I'm a quiet guy. I need to make a decision on this, and this is something we brought up before. Just his his personality, and people will say, well, the Sedin's were quiet guys, and and and, and you know Henrik was a good captain, and Daniel was a good leader, and, and they grew into that role. Um, but I have I have wondered about Petey. You know, he he um, he he has said himself that he wants to. The, the, he likes to focus on 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 his job, right? And yeah. his job is, is being a good hockey player, and yep. he is doing an awesome job of that right now. And sometimes I wonder, sometimes, for the most part, I think he'd be a fine captain, but sometimes I wonder if it would um, take energy away from the things that he does well. Again, he seems like a quiet guy. He doesn't seem to relish being in the spotlight. In fact... I think he tried to put him in the spot put himself in the spotlight earlier in his career when he was turning into a star in Vancouver and it kind of backfired or he didn't like some of the blowback or he didn't like some of the the negative implications of being in the spotlight. I think he can be a little bit sensitive and maybe as he's growing into the role and he's maturing and he's learning the ropes Um, in the NHL, and he is becoming more of a leader. He's going to grow into that fine. But I don't
0: think that we should necessarily think like, oh, yeah, it'll be great for him. Oh, I'm I'm not there, but I do think it's almost like it's really vital that it gets foisted upon him. Like it's almost like he'll either sink or swim, but if he's going to swim, that's going to bring him to that level that talk, it's always talking about. You know who the guy I
1: think about sometime who, who wasn't, wasn't necessarily right for the captaincy role in a big Canadian city, Max Pacioretty. He was a sensitive guy in Montreal.
0: Yep. And extenuating circumstances there though too, right? It was an American, he didn't speak French, it was different. Like I get what you're saying. No, Sometimes but I think it,
1: the criticism of Max Patrietti got to him and I think that was extra because he was the captain. Yeah, I don't I mean, So look, when he wasn't producing, when he wasn't, he was going through a little bit of a slump. He took it on the chin and he took that home with him.
0: Yeah, I it's a tough job. For sure. It and it is different in a Canadian market. And it's not because Canadian markets are inherently evil or negative. There's just so much more scrutiny and you have to do a lot of talking. And that's something that, I mean, putting Pedersen out on after hours, you saw it, that was like 15, 20 minutes of conversation that, you know, he had to work his way through. It's not easy. Right. But my thing is this, it's either you're going to hit your wagon to the guy Mm -hmm. or you're not like, I'm not denying what you're saying. Like it could not work. And there's a pretty decent chance that he can't because there's a pre- pressure-packed scenario for a guy that's young, um, you know, sometimes struggles to find the right words and say the right thing. And he's very apprehensive about the way that he talks. Like, you saw it on yeah. Saturday night. Like, he apologized for calling it uh, football instead of soccer. Yeah. He's like, sorry, I meant to call it soccer. It's like, no one cares. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's one of those things where, look, I, I, unless I'm way off, I very clearly see what the organization is doing here. And it's dangling the keys in front of him. Like a, like a kid that just turned 16 and I hear the keys, son, it's yours now.
1: So someone texted in, he's fine, bruff. He should have had an a two years ago. He should have the C now. I don't know if he should already. Have uh, it. Doug from salmon arm text in the Sardines always had each other to lean on. So I, listen, th- this is not me doubting Elias Pettersson. This is me saying this guy is a really good player. Let's be one hundred percent sure that giving him the captaincy doesn't in any way affect
0: that. See, but I'm I'm almost the other way. I'm like, let's take that risk, let's go for it, let's see what happens here. Because hey, we are familiar with this particular market. Remember when they? Do you remember when they gave Luongo the captaincy?
1: That's that one did, <laughs> of the things that, <laughs> that they they didn't think through.
0: But and it didn't go well. And and there there's inherent risks with this. There's, put it this way: there's no slam dunk ready made this guy is the obvious choice except he is the obvious choice but like mm-hmm. Horvat was the obvious choice to yeah. take it over from Henrik right that was the kind of a no brainer this team, And he always
1: seemed comfortable in the role
0: yeah he did it he performed the task quite admirably now that he's gone i think we'll probably look back on it and say you know what he did he did a really good job yeah, you know like tough circumstances tough circumstances but for me i just consider this Patterson has 71 points in 54 games like, I can't, how many five-point games has he had yeah. this year? Five? Six? He's been awesome. He's been unbelievable. He's been awesome. He and, and you know what? Been unbelievable in a year that has been very trying for almost everyone affiliated with the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Right? He's had two different head coaches. Both laud him like crazy. Can we play the audio from Talkit? Do we have it here? The Talkit talking about how Pedersen is multi-talented? Count the amount of times that, that Talkit just flat out says, like, I love the guy. Here's uh, Rick Tockett on his star player and presumably future captain Elias Pettersson.
2: Multi-talented guy, you know. He's, uh, you know, he's a guy that you know I gave him the A, and I think he's starting to learn how, what to be a leader. Time and place when to go and when not to go. You know, um, you know he's still learning that. You know, um, you know I love the guy. But there's some times where you can't hit home runs all the time, and I thought tonight he managed the game a lot better than he did the first two periods, and uh, it's a learning experience. And, but, you know, how can you not – he's a multi-talented guy. Love the guy. Love So the guy.
1: I, I mentioned earlier that, first of all, we'll take Elias Petterson's comments at face value and say, if he's got to think about it, um, that it's not an automatic thing, then the organization should be thinking about it and saying, mm, maybe it's not an automatic thing. I guess the elephant in the room – to use a Rick Tockett analogy, we're not going to eat this elephant. No, but the elephant in the room is that <laughs> I don't know if the Canucks can name Elias Pettersson captain right now because he isn't committed long term to them. That's he's got yeah, to got, happen. He's got one mm-hmm. year left on his deal, so maybe part of PD saying, "Listen, I got to think about this," is is also him saying, eh, "Listen, I got to sign a long term contract before I become the captain of the Canucks." And frankly, part of me wonders. And I don't know what you guys think about this. Part of me wonders is the offering of the captaincy or the floating of the captaincy, is that a way for the Canucks to convince or help convince Elias Pettersson to sign long-term? Like say, you are so important to us that we are going to bestow this great honor on you. Yep. And also you're going to have a big say on this team because we think you could be the
0: captain of this team. So you can't leave now. I think so. I think that's totally valid too, right? I I put it this way. They're not making it very subtle, are they, about what Pedersen means to the organization right now? I mean,
1: from, from the management down to the coaching staff, they're saying like the team is being turned over. Yeah. To Elias Petterson and also Quinn Hughes, we'll talk about JT Miller in a second and yeah. what that might mean, but uh, they're clearly saying, like, listen, we're hitching our wagons to these two guys. Yep. Hughes is signed for the next few years. Elias Petterson is not.
0: Yeah, I think this is all part and parcel. I mean, God, I, I was wondering last night. I'm like, I wonder. And you PR people out there, pay attention. I wonder if they would do something as creative as having, like, a joint announcement where he signs his extension and is named the next captain of the team. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I see that happening this summer. Are we 100% sure that he wants it? I mean, I think he does, but... I'm not
1: the captaincy or the long term extension no, or both. The, the yeah.
0: captaincy specifically, obviously, he wants. No, him.
1: I'm not a hundred percent sure he wants. Like, it. I just,
0: I don't know. When I hear him talk about it, obviously he says, "Yeah, it's going to be an honor." A, you have to say that, but I, I'm just part of me wonders like, does he really want to be have that responsibility, or would he rather just focus on his? Here's name? the thing.
1: I, I, that's what I'm bringing up. Yeah, I know. Here's I, I, think I, agree with fir- you. I think his first few years in Vancouver. I think uh, now, now he's come out of it finest, certainly on the ice. But I think he went through some serious growing pains, and not
0: just on the ice, with the off-ice attention. Here's the thing. If he is going to be upper echelon, and if he's driven to be the best, then it's impossible for him to look around the league. Who are the guys that are the elite of the elite right now? Right? McKinnon. Just won a Stanley Cup. Crosby won multiple Stanley Cups. Bergeron, multiple Stanley Cups. And then you go McDavid, best player in the game. What do they all have in common? They're all the captains of their team. McKinnon's like, not. Landis sorry, captain. Sorry, not McKinnon. Sorry. Everyone acts like McKinnon's the captain, though. Like me. Like yeah. I thought it was Tuesday. Or is it So Monday? you're saying the competitive nature of Pedersen would be like, give me the C because it Well, I don't know him well enough to see, like yeah. say that he's wired like that, but that's the thinking of the organization for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's just sort of like talk it played – with a variety of superstars and kind of knew where the bar was at. And he references it a lot, right?
1: Okay, I'm gonna read some text here because it's not just me that wonders about
0: this. Oh, Polly of course not though. Polly
1: right? texts in, PD is too paranoid of the media and the public twisting his words. I'm not, I, don't, I agree with that. Not necessarily this one. He seems scared of responsibility, and it would suck to see the pressure get to his head and not perform. Scared of responsibility, I don't know if that's the case. Scared of the media twisting his words, 100%. And we talked about this before. Someone, it would be nice if someone could help him through that and say, like, listen. If you're named the captain of the Vancouver Canucks and you have to speak every day about the Canucks, I guarantee you that your words will be twisted. Yep. I guarantee you that will there will be noise. I guarantee you that you will read and hear things that you say, that is BS. That is 100% not true.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are you comfortable with that happening? Yeah, I and that's it all, is reality of being a professional athlete. It's right. all
0: part of the game. It's all part of the game. I hate it's that. unfortunate. I mean, w- yeah, we deal with idiots, it from we deal like us. Well, well, we deal with it
1: from a media perspective. Like people will text in and say, "You said this," and I and I would say, "Like hundred percent did not say that." Mm-hmm. Right, and, and and it's just, do you remember when Luongo was named captain and he would talk about the game, and then people would be like, the goalie can't be criticizing the, the skaters. Like, it can't work like that. It's like, well, what's he supposed to do then? Just talk about the goalie?
0: Right, and that was on the organization. because they was didn't on think, the organization. They didn't think that through. By the yes. way, um, of the seven Canadian teams, do you know how many are without a captain right now? Three. Calgary doesn't have a captain. Winnipeg doesn't have a captain. Vancouver doesn't have a captain. Mm -hmm. It's a new thing. I don't know if it is. Style. I don't know, because it gets talked about relentlessly. And I think that they're, unless you don't have some, the worst thing you can do is foist it upon someone that is, like, we we need a captain. Yeah. You know, like, they they obviously think, and I I think to a certain degree, no, that, I mean, again, even between Pedersen and Hughes, like, I I hate, I I don't want to make it as cut and dry and black and white is, but Pedersen's, like, they're, Best player right now going. Like, I know Hughes is extremely talented and very good, but Pedersen's going to be, if he keeps up at this pace, he's going to be a 100 point guy yeah. on a team that stinks. Like, they're not good, <laughs> right? He is dragging them through some of these games. And you look at him, I mean, I was going through back through the annals, the annals of Canucks history, looking at the 100 point scorers, and it puts you at what? Come on, man. Come on. Not how it's pronounced. Oh, it's not? Okay. No. Uh, You look at the 100-point score. This is McGilney, Bure, Sedin. I mean, uh, Naslin, the year that he won the the Pearson. Like, it is a very difficult mark to hit. Mm -hmm. And he's going to get there unless injury befalls him or something. And, I mean, to be honest, look at the line mates that he's had this year, right? I mean, he had... Uh, sort of like Mikheyev playing on one knee, and he played all right, but then Mm -hmm. they shut him down. Now he's got Tito Beauvillier coming in every now and again. He's got Kuzmenko spinning around incessantly. Yeah, well, an NHL rookie.
1: A talented guy and not, I guess not technically a a rookie, but a guy who is trying to learn the league. uh, Listen, we all know how good Pedersen is. So in a lot of ways, this is us discussing we're not criticizing we want to protect him we want to make sure that honestly (laughs) I want to make sure because listen I I think he might be a bit of an introvert and the thing with with introverts is that for them energy is sapped when they have to deal with too many people right and deal with and and you want to have this guy energized and if he needs some, if he needs his space then give him his space but that's on the Canucks to figure out and not for armchair psychologists like us But it's on them to make the right decision. I want to quickly play some audio from Frege on JT Miller because um, it's all related to how the Canucks are going to take this team forward, Uh, not only the roster on the ice, the makeup of the roster, but of the leadership group. And apparently teams are still calling on JT Miller, and I'd be curious – to see what they are saying to uh, Canucks management when they do call. Here's Elliot Freeman from the weekend on JT Miller.
0: Really quick, and you can whisper this if you don't want to start a fire. Vancouver Canucks JT Miller, go.
2: Huh. <laughs> you know the the one thing is, is that Vancouver has made it very clear they're rebuilding around Pedersen and Hughes, and just forget the contract for a second. He's a good player. He's had a really weird year but it's it, it, no, that whole team has had weird year but he's a really good player I think last year there were some teams that asked about him and so you separate okay do we like the player yes I think there are teams out there who like the player and now okay well we've got the contract and, and what I think at the very least people are going to ask the Canucks is what are you willing to do here if anything so we're going to find out the answer
1: So for all the criticism that JT Miller has taken, he has 51 points in 56 games. For a team in win-now mode, he could help. The questions for the Canucks on this situation are many. Number one, are they willing to trade him so soon after signing him to a long-term contract extension? Because people would be like, hey, why did you do that? Especially if the return is lesser than what it could have been. Number two, what could they get for him? I don't know. I, I, th- I think the, mar- the I, I have no idea what his worth is on the market right now. Would teams ask the Canucks to retain salary? And would that be a non starter for the Canucks? Where would that leave the Canucks in the present? Do you remember Jim Rutherford has said, I want to turn this team around in a year or two? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be harder. If you take a player like J.T. Miller away, mm-hmm. uh, Greg Wyshynski is going to join us next. So we'll go around the league because I want to talk about the the Eastern Conference playoff race right now because that is very interesting. But maybe we'll talk to Wish uh, about J.T. Miller. And if we don't have time, we can play some audio from Frank Saravalli yesterday on the J.T. Miller situation. Be sure to text in any questions or comments into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650 650- 650 Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at dunbarlumber.com. So much to discuss, lots to discuss, not just with the Canucks, but the NHL um, in general and uh, the NBA All Star game. That was the, the same problems thing. as the thing. NHL All Star game, apparently. You're listening to The Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
2: Big opinions
3: and good bets. It's the People Show with Big Nizar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: 632 on a Tuesday. Yes, it's Tuesday. It's Halford, it's Bruff, it's SportsNet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. So despite the fact that I said it was Monday, and also said that Nathan McKinnon was the captain of the Colorado Avalanche, the rest of the first half hour of the program was pretty good. Pretty good. Download the podcast if you get the chance. Must be a couple more errors that you made. That wasn't it. I mean, we still got a half hour to go in the first hour, so there's the potential for more. Anyway, download uh, this hour and all the hours of the podcast. One, two, and three. Andy and Greg work diligently to get the, the podcast up right away after every hour of the program. So do that, please. I encourage you. Uh, if you download hour one of this podcast in about a half hour's time, you'll hear our next guest. Greg Wachinski, now from ESPN here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Wish?
3: Did you say that I helped put up the podcast, or is that another Greg? There's another Greg. That um, doesn't seem right. Yes. There, there's, I, I, thought, I thought we hit our, our saturation point.
1: There can be only one the,
3: Greg. <laughs> I was watching the reboot of The Mole on Netflix. Remember the, the show The Mole? Did you guys have that in Canada? I don't even know who you did. Um, it, but
0: no, it, what is it?
3: Well, it's like it's like a show where it's like there's one there's a team. They're all it's like kind of the Amazing Race, but there's one person on the team that's like trying to subvert the whole thing, and oh. and uh, is being paid by the producers to like sabotage stuff. It's actually a really fun show. But my point is, is that there was a dude on the show uh, in the year of our Lord 2023 named Greg, and it was jarring because I feel like my name has really fallen out of favor. I don't think there's like a lot of. You know, if you go to the the, the maternity ward, I don't think there is like a lot of Gregs Actually, floating that's, around that's these true. days.
0: That's true. Greg is in the Gary territory. There is not a lot of Gregs popping up. There is not a lot of Gary. Sorry, Greg. The other Greg no, that's is now. Fine. You know what else? This Greg looks like you. Oh, does he? Yeah, he said someone told him on the weekend that he lo- You look like the other famous Greg. Uh, like, oh, yeah. that's
3: not good. That's I, what I said too. <laughs> 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 that means. That means on a, on a good day you uh, you look like uh, Jeremy Renner, and on a bad day you look like Mr. Bean. So,
0: <laughs> what range? Good stuff. What range? Okay, good stuff. let's focus. <laughs> let's focus on the hockey here. Um, we are going to get to the Stadium Series game in a moment, but I want to start. You retweeted this into your timeline. The New York Islanders ownership. Of the, the Pittsburgh Penguins over the weekend, Bo Horvat playing a central role uh, in the most recent victory, a 4-2 win. But uh, these were huge for the Islanders in a good way, huge for the Penguins in a bad way. But big picture, it makes that Eastern Conference uh, playoff chase all the more compelling. And I really hope, I really hope that this thing plays its way out to the bitter end. Because uh, it's been a long time since we've had a good multi-team chase in a playoff race. And I hope that this one will flesh itself out
3: well i think you will because you know you also have um you also have the the uh, uh you know the buffalo sabers involved still you have detroit creeping up i mean you have florida that you know is picking up points it, it's it goes beyond the penguins and islanders so the the that game yesterday was really really a strange one in, in the sense of like the news that Matt Barzell was out of the lineup and the news that Tristan Jari was starting came within about 10 minutes of each other. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, what is going to happen to the Islanders? And then, you know, true to form in the NHL, they, they lose their their best player and then they, they win the game. And they've won all three games against the Penguins this season. So uh, Pittsburgh's in a real pickle. I mean, like, this is this is a, one of those deals where you obviously have to keep pushing your cards in because you don't bring back the, the Holy Trinity in the off season to then, like, raise the white flag uh, if things aren't going well, but it's just, not, it's just not come together very well for them this season. Jeff Carter looks cooked. Um, they're not winning these key games that they need to win against key teams. It's, it, I mean, yesterday was one where I thought you could cement the Penguins as the, as the winner based on how Jari slayed at home, based on the Islanders losing Barzell, and then they, they let them creep back in and, and rally in the third period, and it's, it's got to be a crushing loss for them.
1: What chance would you give to Buffalo and Detroit of making the playoffs?
3: I don't know what the percentage is now, but before uh, last time I checked, which was before the Stadium Series, like Buffalo had a one in four chance of making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they were they were not, you know, out of this by any stretch of the imagination. And you know, I've said for a long time that like when you when you have the bubble in the East being what it is, which is a lot of flawed teams all scrambling to either extend their window of of, of uh, contention four teams that are trying to show that they're a little bit ahead of schedule, like Buffalo and Detroit, like anything could happen. And the other thing I've said, and I'll stand to this, is the only guy that I think could challenge Connor McDavid for MVP is Tage Thompson. Like if Tage Thompson finishes off his season the way that, that he's, he's played this year, and his numbers are insane, and he puts this team on its, on his back, kind of like Taylor Hall did it for the Devils uh, many years back when he won the Hart, like that's the guy I think could actually beat McDavid if if Buffalo makes the playoffs for the first time in over a decade and it's because of Th Thompson, like that's a that's a really airtight case I think.
1: Where are the Washington Capitals right now? Uh, I'm. Were you at the Stadium Series game? You were. Were you in? I was. Okay, so yeah, well, w- let's talk about. We can talk about that in just a bit. But the Capitals were part of that and uh, they lost that game. Uh, it was four nothing at one point for Carolina. It ended up being four one. Where are the Capitals at right now?
3: They're a mess. <laughs> I mean, like they're a team that again, they're I mean, that, there were three teams entering this year that we thought were desperately trying to extend their window to, to win. Um, and it was the Capitals, the Penguins, and the Boston Bruins. Well we've seen what happened to the Bruins. Clearly their window is well, is wide open. There's a very stiff breeze coming through that window the Penguins and the Capitals are in a bit of of a different situation. And, and, you know, the caps to their, I mean, not to their credit, but as an excuse have been beset by injuries this year. I mean, obviously they didn't have Tom Wilson for most of this run. Um, Now it's not an injury, but Oveskin's been out of the lineup for a few days after the death of his father. So their, their lineup has been janky and, and uh, and they've not really been able to get on the same page. Um, But that's also a team that's got some deep flaws in the lineup. And, and I, I, I didn't, I picked them to miss the playoffs, I still think they might, but as we discussed just before, like <laughs> the only way that these teams are missing the playoffs is, is if teams hop over them in the, in the standings, and right now, honestly, if I had to put my money on it, like I'd probably say the Islanders and the Panthers make the cut, and, and there's a good chance the Capitals and Penguins don't. The Panthers have kind of
1: just been lurking, haven't they?
3: Yeah, and they're starting to do the thing that they did last year where they're like scoring at will on teams. Like real, Their offense is getting really cranked up, and you know, Kachuk's been great. I think the rest of the lineup is starting to get a little bit better. You know, it's, it takes some time under a new coach to kind of figure out your path forward. I still think they're a deeply flawed team, and I don't think they're anywhere near as good as they were last year. No. Um, but again, the bubble being the bubble, I think they can get in. The, the Penguins are the team that really vexes me because I don't know, I don't know week to week what they what they look like. They, they still have all the pieces in place to really kind of put together a run to maybe you know sprint across the finish line. But you see games like last night and you say to yourself, all right, maybe maybe that's just like looking at the roster and remembering how good these guys used to be and not what they actually are.
1: We're speaking with ESPN's Greg Wyszynski. Wish, uh, how many stadium games have you been to now?
3: Oh, es- Estimated. Estimated? I mean, well over a dozen. Um, I've been to a lot of them. I didn't go to a lot of them in the beginning. Um, but I I would say. I, mean, I venture to say maybe like at least – Maybe maybe half of them, I'd say. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, there's been a lot of them. Where did where did uh, the the one in Carolina rank?
3: Well, it's not like upper echelon insofar so far as the game because the game was was pretty well spoken for by by the by the third period. But these these Stadium Series games have become really wonderful in the sense of like first of all, I love the Stadium Series because I love I love the fact that it's a little it's like the <laughs> snotty little brother of the winter classic, you know, the jerseys are all weird looking because they're trying to like do a future thing instead of a retro thing. And some of the venues are peculiar. And it's the, it's the reason we have teams like the Carolina hurricanes playing outdoor games. Cause they're never getting into a winter classic. So I've always found it very endearing. What it's kind of morphed into is when you take it to a place like, like Raleigh, it's not that you're in an iconic venue. I mean, it's like NC State's football stadium and yeah. i guess like russell wilson played there (laughs) it's like the most iconic thing that i could think of that's right but um but like but like it's become this wonderful celebration of a city and a fan base and more than anything else and and it's almost the same thing as the all-star game in some ways too it's like little comic cons that come to your town like if you're a hockey fan like you go to the arena if you can afford it and it's cool but if you're a hockey fan and the stadium series, or the Winter Classic comes to town. Well, now there's like 56,000 of you that are all going to be in the same place. You're with your, your tribe. You're with your people. You're, you're going to the Fan Fest. Like It becomes this real sort of celebration of, of, the, of pretty much the local fandom, although the visiting teams do travel a little bit. And, and that's a beautiful thing. I, I will say forever that the perception of these things on television, the perception of these things around the league, is the polar opposite of the perception of these things when you're on the ground for one. And and that's why they should keep doing them.
1: A Hurricanes game is actually on my bucket list. And I'm just wondering how many, I wonder if the Carolina Hurricanes fans appreciate that there is an appreciation for how loud they are and how they <laughs> almost treat hockey games like football games. Like it, yeah. they take their own sporting traditions and apply them to hockey. And for me, I look at Carolina Hurricanes games in the playoffs and I go, wow, that is a great crowd. Like, And I think we first uh, all realized that maybe back in 2006 when they got to the Stanley Cup final and watched it and basically stood the whole game. But it's more than that. It's more than just the actual game experience. They're kind of like... I I felt like Islanders fans were I don't know at the new arena if they're the same as as the old arena but going to a tailgate before a Hurricanes <laughs> game is on my bucket list as well. <laughs> what was the pregame experience like?
3: <laughs> the, t- the tailgates in Raleigh are legit. Like don't, the b- believe that hype. I, and I as I said to somebody when I, I saw him at the tailgate, it is the strangest juxtaposition between a bunch of people playing cornhole in the, in the parking lot who also have the highest top shelf liquor you could imagine on like a folding table near their (laughs) truck. Like, I I, I don't know. I I feel like they should all be drinking like light beer and stuff, but like you go over and they're drinking you know, whistle pig and they're drinking like great whiskey and stuff. And it's crazy. Um, The one thing, the one wrinkle for the stadium series that, uh, that they did was they had a student section um, that was on the field. First time they allowed, uh, fans to stand on the field near the rink uh, and watch the game. They, they could have been a little bit closer. There was a, a huge gap between where they were and where the rink was. Um, but you couldn't see anything. <laughs> like it's the worst seat in the house by far when you're on like ice level and you're really really far away. But the vibe was really cool. I mean, it was all NC State students for the most part. Um, they were doing chants and they were doing cheers. They were very liquored up, and um, it, it worked. Like it was it was that you know, little innovation that sometimes the NHL throws into these things that keeps it interesting. And I love to see them try something like that uh, in a different venue.
0: We're speaking to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Health and Show on Sportsnet 650 Wish. Uh, Patrick Kane now kind of becomes the center of attention in trade talks given that Ryan O'Reilly's been dealt, Bo horvat has been dealt, Vladimir Tarasenko's been dealt. Uh, Big performance for him yesterday. How do you see this one playing out? Because a couple of the landing spots are gone for him. It's still a big ticket, but he showed yesterday at the very least that he still got something left in the tank.
3: Well, and, and a couple of the landing spots are still there. I mean, I, I've been saying for, for weeks that I think Dallas is fit for him, not only but, but by a, their positional need um, to add a little bit of depth on the on right wing to that lineup, but also he's got Pavelski there, he's got Suter there, he's got some people that he knows pretty well from those USA national teams um, to make it maybe a more friendly landing location. And I think Vegas is is now maybe even more of an interesting spot for him because they just put Mark Stone on long term injured reserve, opens up a ton of cap space for them, and I, I mean obviously he's the kind of player that you can see Bill Foley telling his front office, "Fly my little monkeys, collect this man, bring him to Vegas," and uh, and and all of a sudden he's you know playing on the same line as Tech Eichel. So those two places I think are still available to him if he if he wants to go. But there's also the competing thought of like. You know, do you want to uproot your life and and try to play for a team for a little bit? That's probably not going to be the one that ultimately signs you long term. Or do you want to play out the string in Chicago and See if they end up with Conor Bedard and <laughs> kind of kind of play your cards more in the offseason. I think there's an argument to be made for that second thing, too.
0: I mean, the way the landscape has played out so far, there's still a lot of time left until the actual deadline, but the way it's played out so far is that it's become a real arms race in the East. I mean, all the three big trades that I just mentioned, Horvath, O'Reilly, and Tarasenko, all go to Eastern Conference teams. So it's either, I think, going to be one of two things. It's like, one... The teams in the East that haven't got in the mix yet are going to get in. And then you've got to think that at some point, some of these Western teams are like, oh, yes, we should also go shopping.
3: Sure. And and that's, I mean, to speak to your Eastern Conference part, I mean, that's why I think the the two more most interesting teams in the Timo Meyer Derby are the Carolina Hurricanes and and the New Jersey Devils. Now, shouldn't be a surprise that both those teams are very analytically driven and are both chasing a player that I think kind of fits into what they want to do, uh, who's also young and also really good. But those two teams, I think, are deep in, in on, on Meyer and trying to figure out ways to make that work. Um, and that's exactly what you're talking about. Like, you see what the Rangers have done. You see what the Islanders have done. Now you've got to go and make your move. Um, Meyer's the one fascinating thing that's still on the table. Obviously, Patrick Kane is another. And then the third thing is Chikrin. Like, the Jacob Chikrin Derby is so strange because it looked very much like the Kings were getting them. <laughs> like it was like everybody, you know, put, put your, your cell phones on and, and fire up your laptops because we're going to have to write about Jacob Chikrin. It's kind of how it felt uh, la- like two weekends ago, but then it didn't materialize. And you know, part of that I think was them the, the, her, the uh, Coyotes trying to create a little bit more of a of a Derby for the guy to try to maybe squeeze out what they're looking for from the Kings. Um, and maybe not have to take on money going back the other way. And maybe that was successful. I mean, uh, the moves that the St. Louis Blues have made in, in recent, uh, recent weeks speak to them building a, a treasure trove of picks and prospects that I don't necessarily think they're going to end up using. Right. And maybe the target ends up being Chickering, and, and maybe once again hockey nepotism uh, swings its ugly head where – Doug Armstrong is making deals with his protege, uh, Bill Armstrong, in, in Arizona, which wouldn't shock anybody.
0: Okay, so in the West, the team that I think is going to be of real interest over the next couple weeks is the Calgary Flames, because if the playoffs or sorry, if the playoffs started today, Calgary would not be in them. Uh, they followed up a pretty emotional win over the Rangers with a pretty bad loss to the Flyers. There was the whole Alan Walsh, Jonathan Huberdeau tweet. It just seems like they're a team that has never been able to get their season started. And that's compounded by the fact that they are obviously very much all in on this season. Um, I'm curious, what have you been hearing about this team and the level of dysfunction, especially in the wake of
3: the Walsh, Huberto, Daryl Sutter thing? Are they all in on this season? Well, I mean, that's contractually. The, well, I mean, well, but I mean, like, this, this season was Brad True Living desperately trying to plug holes in a ship that was sinking and trying to do it as best he could and and doing it you know in, on a short track in the summer and, and so i think whatever happens to the calgary flames this year it may not necessarily speak to what will happen to them going forward now i can't say that definitively that that's going to be the situation with their coach but i think that you know they've got pieces on this roster that they can still sort of build and mold and shape something new i mean when you rip out like what like what are we talking like uh eighty goals out of the lineup in Kachuk and in Goudreau. Like you don't you don't fix that. And so the fact that they're struggling and the fact that they're they're not finding their way and, and oh yeah, by the way, you know, the goalie that they signed in Markstrom is, is on the downslope of another roller coaster in his career. Like it's it's all these things kind of conspiring together to be a bit of a disappointing season. I don't think that necessarily means that they're going to start selling off pieces. Um But, I mean, as far as adding them, yeah, I think you're right. I think they maybe get a little bit more hesitant uh on that on that regard because they may need those assets for the summer when they can really make some changes
1: could you see them making a coaching change this off season because that might be like hey we we got jonathan huberto signed to this long-term contract and they're clearly personality wise whatever but style wise, it's clearly not meshing maybe we need to go to a different type of coach that's going to unlock the potential in jonathan huberto and that potential we saw just last season in florida
3: yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's a certain amount of, of that, but I, I also think you have to remember that I think, I think Sutter leaves on his own accord. <laughs> like I, I think he comes there on his own accord. I think he leaves on his own accord. I don't think it's going to be a situation where they fire uh, Daryl Sutter. I think he he's kind of, he's there until he doesn't want to be there. It's just kind of how I feel about it. That's, that's usually how you get a Daryl Sutter to coach your team right? <laughs> and leave the farm is give him that kind of autonomy.
0: Wish this was great, bud. Thanks a lot for doing it. We appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again next Tuesday.
3: Anytime. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I know what uh, would cure the ailing Calgary Flames. What's that? Bruce, there it is. <laughs> right now. Right now. Is he the opposite of Daryl Sutter? I could not think of a more opposite. Like, they're all hockey coaches, mm-hmm. so they're all kind of similar. But... Right. Because, I mean... Th- 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 the agent put out the tweet that it's just negativity all the time. Who's mm-hmm. the most positive coach in NHL history? Mm-hmm. It's Bruce Boudreau. Right. He could do exactly what he did. I'm not even joking. Like, I know this is like, Halford's being an idiot on the radio no, again. No, I, but I, 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 I think it makes sense. I think it's the perfect landing spot. I don't think it'll happen, but I think I it think makes it, sense. I don't think it's going to happen either. But imagine. Would you not want to take like a subtle step towards fun hockey and not just like a giant leap towards fun hockey? Here's the thing. I think in a small sample size where you just need to change the vibes right away, there's nobody better than him because he's the perfect antidote for not, not having fun, right? Long-term as we saw, I don't know if he's the perfect fit, although he's had good runs in a lot of different places with really good offensive teams. I think that's the thing with Calgary. If you look at their season, I looked this up last night. I had to like triple check it. One, because I get lots of stuff wrong, so I should check it. Like but the day two, of the week. I, or like a lot of stuff. They've had two, two, three-game winning streaks this year. That's it. The longest winning streak they've had is three. They've done it twice. And once was to start the year. And I remember that. You remember they came out of the gates? I vaguely remember this. They had these new look, this new look lineup, new players. Yeah. And I think they beat Edmonton. Colorado and Vegas or something like that. Well,
1: I remember saying, well, I guess they won't have chemistry problems. I
0: just thought they were going to be great. Yeah. Then they've done that one more time. <laughs> a three-game winning streak. Last year, they had a 10-game winning streak and a six-game winning streak. You mm-hmm. need those. Well,
1: the goaltending hasn't given them what they, they need, No, right? absolutely. Like, like, like What they're... was it yesterday? They lost to the Flyers 4-3, to three, and Marky made 18 saves on 22 shots. Well, Ladar's been
0: good. Yeah, they just haven't had—
1: But they clearly want Marky— to be their playoff guy, and Daryl Sutter has been giving him lots of starts, yeah. hoping to play him into form. Because I think it's kind of similar to when they had—correct me if I'm wrong here—Mike Smith and Dave Riddich. Was that ever a tandem? They like saved
0: Dave. Got a run where he was like, "You're the guy now." But and but but, he but I think proved he but,
1: No, but I think the coaching staff at the time was like yeah like he's getting a run but we still don't want him as our starter in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean that they, seems to be the 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 feeling that I get out of Calgary like yeah Vladar might be our best goalie right now but if we make the playoffs our best chance to do something in the playoffs is getting Marky back into form.
0: No, you're right. That's exactly how they're playing it out. I think it's bizarre because I mean, are we not past this sort of? This is the guy that has to be our guy. Like the guy is the guy that's going to win you some games.
1: Do you know how terrifying that Jonathan Huberdeau contract must be to the Calgary Flames? We always talk about the JT Miller contract extension hasn't even kicked in yet. Mm-hmm. The Jonathan Huberdeau extension is eight years with a cap hit of ten and a half million dollars. And if you're looking at the way that it's um, structured, it's signing bonus heavy, which means that it's pretty much buyout proof.
0: No, it's it's terrifying.
1: Terrifying
0: if you're Calgary. And especially if you're like, wait a minute, is this guy actually happy in Calgary? That's why I never understood. I knew they had to do something, given how tumultuous their offseason was. But, I mean, now we're hearing reports. It's like Huberto spent his entire formative NHL career in the nicest, warmest, sunniest place ever. And now he's got to live in Calgary. In signed. a place where
1: you don't get a lot of attention
0: either, right? I know, but but, but he spent like a week yeah. as a Calgary Flame and then decided to lock himself in for eight years. Well, That's Alan Walsh's deal.
1: <laughs> when everyone was throwing bouquets at Bradshaw Living this offseason, I think we were kind of like, well, we'll see. Right? I mean, like I like he, he did he did work. Yeah. He did work. Like he he made a lot of moves, and I'm sure. He put in a lot of time and effort into making these moves. No one can deny that he was out there wheeling and dealing, right? Mm-hmm. That, but, but the wheeling and the dealing is not necessarily I mean, we've seen it time and time again in the NHL. The worst mistakes that you can make are often the self-inflicted ones where you're like, okay, we need something right now, and this matches it right now.
0: Like, I didn't hate – here's the thing. I didn't hate the trade. Especially um, for the return that they got. But they doubled down on Huberto and Uyghur. Well, don't when you made I, the
1: trade, you had to do it.
0: I know, but that's When you what made I, the trade, you had, you had to do it. I don't... I know... I
1: you
0: know, had to. I know we, we when had you, If I you know target to. those players, you got to sign them long-term. Just, I don't think both of them needed eight-year <laughs> <laughs> extensions. That's all. I mean, Uyghur was eight years at 50 mil. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot to sink into these guys, which is why I kind of phrased it with wish, is, like, they're all in.
1: Okay, we're going to talk some Nashville Predators coming up next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.